About 270,000 home buyers who bought during the red hot housing market this year already owe more than their house is worth, a new analysis found, mm -hmm. which runs completely afoul of someone like, I don't know, Dave Ramsey telling you now's the time to buy, buy now. Home prices are not going to go down. They're going to go up every year for the next five years. It's funny how he says that. Yeah, it's funny how he's wrong. And then if you actually look at the links to follow. Oh, yes. He uh, he happens to have affiliate links. You can click on them and you can find a trusted realtor from his network mm. who happens to pay him a commission for the referral right. that you have been talked into buying because you trust this man. Yeah. As of today, if you were to go on you know, business podcast, the charts, yes. he's actually below 118. He is below yeah. 118. Call the day. Call the we day. We are on top of Dave Ramsey. Yeah. We, yeah. And See, what are you doing? You know, oh, little, on top of little, Dave little, little rule I live by, never trust a man with Ram in his last name. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back. Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. You're what, you son of a bitch. Go, <laughs> go, ahead. go, go for it. it. Go ahead. Introduce the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's the higher standard podcast. I am your favorite host, Saeed Omar. And over there, we got... I don't think I agreed to you leading in the show this week. It's very <laughs> off-putting. I would like to rename myself number 118. Uh-oh. Here we go. As of the date of our recording, today, December 15th, 2022, we are in the top 200 in all business in the United States. As a matter of fact, we are number 118. We're actually in the top 120. Top 120. That yeah. is correct. There are so many big names behind us. Dave Ramsey comes to the top of mind. <laughs> a lot of people behind us. And you know what? We're not going to look in the rearview mirror because the windshield is so much bigger. So much bigger. But by the time this episode drops mm -hmm. and people go back to fact check this, we'll probably be out. No, no, you'll be out. I'll be in still. <laughs> That's hurtful that you already, you, you got to, come on, man. You got to manifest your future. Yeah, yeah no, but we're going to get back in there. Top 50. Bro, you are already, We first of all, we debuted at 50. Yeah. Back, no correction. I debuted at 50. You yeah. hadn't been part of the show yet. Yeah, that's right. You were dragging my ass down. <laughs> I'm the ball and chain, 68 baby. points. <laughs> all right, let's get to the, let's get to the fundamentals. This is going to be a long episode of good information. So for mm. those of you who like the data heavy episodes, we got you. Yep. And those of you who don't, stay for the witty banter. Don't worry, we got you too. Fed probabilities for the current Fed funds rate, which was 3.88 just a couple days ago, leading into these, this current Fed interest rate increase. For December, there was a 97% chance of a 50 basis point hike, taking the Fed funds rate to 4.38%. Mm -hmm. For February 2023, a 25 basis point increase is a 66% probability. Okay. For a 4.63% terminal rate. Okay. March chance of a 25 basis point increase, still 52%, a 4.88% terminal interest rate. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of rhetoric around this, but I want you to keep those probabilities in mind while we talk about a lot of the economic information for the show, because this will keep kind of reiterating some reoccurring themes as we go through today's show. Right. So by now, you've all known that we've had a federal interest rate increase. But before we get there, let's talk about CPI, mm, Consumer Price Index. So I think, I think it's safe to say now that the June CPI index rate of 9.1% is where it peaked, right? So clearly starting to see some trending down. So November 
clocked in at 7.1%. However, what people are starting to celebrate is, oh, we're on our way down. It's at 7.1%. What people still have to keep in mind is, okay, it's coming down, but what you're paying for today is still 7% more than what you paid for last year. And at this rate, 10 years from now, the cost of an average car will be double. If you were, So don't even celebrate this. I really don't feel like you're bringing the enthusiasm today. You want to do this whole thing over again? No. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? I just feel you're very lackluster performance. No, I mean, man. Come on. Not... We were celebrating a lot right before this. I'm, and I'm very happy about it, but yeah, you don't sound... Say, one of us has... This, you got to bring this up before. Hey, we are a top 200 to podcast. One of us has to stay humble. Yeah, and I'm doing that for yeah, us yeah, by yeah. trying to bring up your enthusiasm. <laughs> Let's go. I'm not going to let you flip the script on me. Let's go. So... Back off Tonto. So some of the, some of the things, uh, categories that went up, fruits and veggies are up still 9.7%. Who eats those? Right. Liver King doesn't. <laughs> Not the Liver King. Coffee up 14.6%. Because they know we addicted. That's right. Why. Milk up 14.7%. Bread up 15.7%. This is why they tell you we want to exclude food and energy because this shit keeps going up. They don't want you to look at this. Yeah, you know all the stuff you spend money on the most? Yeah. That's all going up way above CPI's yeah. average number. Right, exactly. So the uh, And to round it out, eggs up 49%. Gasoline up 10%, electricity up 13.7%. So when you remove that, core CPI was at 6%. PCE? Mm, no, or just core, 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 CPI. core CPI. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Look, man, I look at all this stuff and I say to myself, like, there is a, a large population of economists out there who say that CPI will get very sticky somewhere around between 65 and 7%. Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll be very, very challenging to move it down as mm -hmm. quickly as we've seen some of these numbers come down. But I am not one of the proponents of thinking that, that CPI has peaked. Really? I think there's a probability that we're going to wind up not only getting stickier, but possibly moving up a little bit in the next couple of quarters, depending on how some of the numbers come out. But in June, it was at, what was it? It was at 9.1? 9.1. Do you think we could come back towards that? I think there are some things in play that, that could put us there. Certainly, if there's a geopolitical event, which there's yeah. a lot of you know, instability in the world, I think there's a possibility. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is this. I think the celebrations are preemptive. Right. I think the, I the positivity is preemptive. And I think the stock market took a massive hit today. Mm -hmm. uh, 750 points. Yeah. It, largely because I, I think there's a re realization that there are still some very, very negative and ominous signs. Inflation is still higher on average than the number that's being reported because of the things you, you've talked about, right? Those, right? those categories of our consumer spending yeah. are way higher than the average number because we spend on all those things, food, energy, travel, uh, healthcare, those are all higher than the average number. Right. So our true impact is still much higher than that. And when it was closer to, you know, 9%, 9.1%, I think the average impact of the consumer was closer to 15 to 20%. Mm -hmm. I still think we're getting hit by north of, of 10 or 15%. Yeah, the true actual rate of inflation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's, it's much higher than that. So this celebration is weird to me. And I still think you got layoffs coming in, in, in mass that we haven't seen before. I still mm -hmm. think you've got a lot of negative, ominous things that we haven't dealt with. The inverted yield curve, which typically precedes recessionary economies, has been inverted for such a long period of time. Right. So I, I say take this all with a grain of salt when you look at CPI. And I think you look at how the market reacted to the December Fed interest rate increase of 50 basis points. Yeah. Taking the rate to 438. Mm -hmm. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, you saw the probabilities at the top of the show, right? 97% that it was going to happen. And yet the market still reacted in a very negative way right. after it was done. Typically, the market reacts in the lead up. But to see it react this way afterward, mm -hmm. it's a very telling sign that people are starting to get scared. Yep. And I think that that's that's. So then so then our boy Jerome Powell came out. JP. Came out. And what did he do? Well, arguably the most telegraphed Fed interest rate hike of all time. 97% is <laughs> a pretty strong probability, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Federal Reserve raised that the Fed borrowing rate 50 basis points just as we predicted. It was a seventh hike this year. And the the rhetoric mm -hmm. around that rate hike was probably the most sensationally interesting thing, an underrated thing talked about during this whole time. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was seven of the Board of Governors came out and said that they expected a terminal rate north of 5.25%. Yeah, and no, I think it was actually more than that. I think it was like nine. Well, no, the terminal rate? Yeah, that nine of the FOMC members. Oh, nine of the FOMC. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I think it was closer to like five point three four or yeah, something like that. Right. But I, I just put five two five to cover bases. But essentially, mm -hmm. what they did is is if you look at the March prediction, 
of 52 base 52% increase of 25 base or 52% probability mm-hmm. of a 25 basis point increase in March. This after what they're assuming is the 50 basis point that just happened plus 25 in February, the next meeting. Yeah. This is the first time I've heard them give uh, predictions on March. Yeah. Well, this in the prediction in March, even if you got 25 basis points in March, so this would assume 50 now, 25 mm-hmm. in February, 25 in March at a 4.88% terminal rate with this total number, mm-hmm. right? So that's, Seven, eight, nine interest rate increases. Mm-hmm. They're basically alluding to five point two five or five point three or something like that being right. your kind of terminal rate. Well, that's just as of right now, right? Right. Yeah. So that builds in possibly two more twenty five basis point increases before they're mm-hmm. done raising rates. Right. And I know we're all starting to feel it a little bit. We'll uh, we'll get into some of the retail sales numbers a little bit later in the show. But Powell came out and said after they raised uh, raised another fifty basis points that. The full effects of tightening monetary policy are yet to be felt. Yeah. So basically saying to the market, hey, uh, you guys are all celebrating. Yeah. It's all uchi wally wally, uchi bang bang out there. Uh, Y'all having a good time. Old school, baby. Throwing it back. Yeah, Yeah. let's go. Yoji listeners know. Well, deep in the the CNBC article that that I'm referencing titled, Here's What the Federal Reserve's Half Point Rate Hype Means for You, they also quoted... The conference where JP came out, Jerome Powell came out and talked about this, and he explicitly stated, no reductions until 2024. Came out and said that, right? That's a statement by him. We are not going to be reducing the Fed funds rate. And that's what we've been talking about. All of next year. We have said that on this show. We've talked about that, and we've said that the million-dollar question is, how long do they hold it for? Ladies and gentlemen, he just came out and said, don't expect anything until 2024. Which echoes everything we told you on the show. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm patting Saeed in the back who's patting me on the back. It's a circle. Yeah. Okay? Gang, gang. Gang, gang. Yeah. This is why you're the Nobel laureate. You also called the terminal rate above the 5%, I believe. I did. Thank you, show. sir. Thank you for you're remembering. Very, very talented. Yeah, I appreciate Incredibly you. Incredibly talented. Much. Have they called you yet? So, <laughs> no, not yet. I don't think it's one of those things. Yeah, okay. It's just a divine intervention. Um, but Powell also, in, in his little presser afterwards, said, it's not so important how fast we go. It's important how long they will remain at those restrictive levels. Mm. So, like people, you, everyone here celebrating that we're no longer doing seventy-five basis point hikes, we're doing fifty. Oh, calm down, okay? Don't put the car in front of the horse. It's not a matter how fast we're going. It's just for how long am I going to keep it here? I'm getting a lot of sexual undertones of what you're saying. I mean, you, it's always the, intended. Rate, it's right? always. I'm trying to help you out. Okay. See again. Very. This is awkward. Are you? Why? <laughs> You can't help I'm yourself. I'm very uncomfortable right now. You need to stop with, you, with the testosterone, bro. <laughs> it's, it's, I got a shot today, man. Thursday, <laughs> I can tell. Thursdays are good. I can tell. Well, sometimes that gleam is in your eye. You look over at me. It's Christmas. Just give me a present. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, something interesting happened just after this. This was, um, what was this, on Tuesday or Wednesday? What was it? Was It was Tuesday when the, when the CPI came out or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. The day after it. There's a lot of rhetoric, and I saw this article from Business Week on Instagram, yeah, which Tuesday, is a reliable yeah. source of information. And according to my millennial brother, this is where he gets all the goods good. Mm. You know, it's from the internet, must be real. It's not a verified account. That's the only requirement. Right. So this one happened to strike a chord because I got hit up in the DMs on Monday, two days before the CPI came out on Wednesday. And I was told the number had been leaked on Twitter. So this is on Monday, and I have the records to prove this out. Mm-hmm. So a buddy of mine is like, hey, here's a threat. Well, what's the number? He said 7.1%. He knew on Monday, and I was, the, tr- the thread was there. Someone leaked this on Monday Holy that cow. it was a 7.1% CPI. And sure enough, here's an article from Business Week. In 60 seconds before the CPI hit the number, heavy trading drove a mystery rally. That's crazy. I'll wait till you hear the details. In the seconds before the better than expected inflation number hit the Labor Department's website, and I should point out, the expected number was 7.3%. Mm-hmm. Right, so we yeah. got 7.1. So for someone to call that number so specifically on a Monday, they knew. Right. Right. Stock futures were suddenly spiked more than 1% and trading in the treasury figures surged, pushing benchmark yields lower by about four basis points. Those are major moves in such a short period of time, bigger than a full session swings on some day. Mm-hmm. And they should get scrutinized by regulators, longtime market observers say. Mm-hmm. Even if a leak is only one of several possible explanations for why traders suddenly started buying right before the report was published. If and when such an investigation occurs remains to be seen. For its part, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics said it's unaware of any early release of its data. Well, I'm aware. 
Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. aware. Yeah, exactly. Twitter was aware. Yeah, right. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, there was a leak. But I still don't understand this. So with with that leak, why are people so bullish on, on this news that it doesn't make any sense? Seven point one percent is still very high. Yeah, but they knew the again. The market is largely driven by behavioral economics. Yeah. If it's a positive number, the market generally rallies in a positive way, yeah, and so it really it's going did that in day. The positive trend. Somebody bet against the market rallying in, in a better than expected way because they knew the numbers were going to be quote better than expected. Right. Seven point one versus seven point three, and this was a very sophisticated person who clearly knew. I know the number. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet big, big enough to move the market in a way that's clearly going to be visible. Right. And they probably didn't expect the level of scrutiny they're getting from it. You mentioned something earlier that I actually, I thought about something and I bet it correlates well with all this. So you said as the inflation rate continues to go down, CPI number continues to go down, right? Yes, sir. It's going to get harder and harder to drop, right? Very, very stickier stickier and stickier. Very similar to when you're cutting body fat. So you were in a physique competition. That's the reference that you're going to make right now? As you continue to drop body fat percentages, those last few percentages always get more and more difficult. Okay, that's that's a good reference. It's a good reference. Thank you. Can I get that? Don't don't challenge the laureate. Don't do this. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's for all you Mind Pump fans out there who are gracious enough to hop on board and give us a chance and listen to the show. We appreciate you. I love you, Adam. You listen to every episode. Hugs and kisses. I love you more. Mm. Yeah. Mind pump, mind pump, mind pump. Yeah, nobody, everybody knows that you don't love him more. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so I ran across an actual interesting article this, as opposed to Saeed's conversation. Which this was actually good. I read it too. I got comments on this. Oh, did, really? Yeah. I'm surprised you read. Yeah. Good for I, you. It surprised me too. It's because it was a big yellow article top. Yeah, I was like, well, this one caught my attention. <laughs> yeah. It's from Vox, which has got some interesting articles from time to time. Titled, The Last Time the Fed Curbed Inflation Without Crashing the Economy Explained. Hmm. So I only pulled out bits and pieces of this. So Mm -hmm. if you want to share more, by all means, do that. The Federal Reserve is again trying to raise interest rates without causing a painful recession. You know that whole soft landing bullshit they keep talking about? Yeah. Well, this actually kind of gets into the details of what that's supposed to look like. Yeah. So in the 1990s, the 1990s began with a brief recession after oil prices jumped because of Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. The Fed attempted to lower inflation and debt accumulated by the 1980s. But the ni- but by 1994, the economy was expanding and the labor market was stronger. Mm-hmm. Economic forecasters worried, though, that inflation would soon rise. So there's some notable differences here that they talk about in the in the article from between now and then. Back then, they were trying to stabilize inflation rather than us trying to bring it down substantially. Right? Yeah. Um, and they uh, say well, that the article goes on. There are several key differences between the 1994 and now. Most notably, the Fed was trying to stabilize inflation at the time rather than bring it down substantially. Inflation is much higher now than it was in 1994, and policymakers are facing bigger challenges now than then. Right, exactly. And the person, the person citing all this is Alan Blinder. He's currently an economic professor at Princeton, previously served as the vice chair at the Fed Reserve. But no laureate. No laureate, exactly. Now, the Fed was lucky there when there were no serious supply shocks. Currently, we got that, right, after the pandemic. Now, if I recall correctly, it was 4% inflation at the time, right? Right. So not clearly not, not battling the same thing. And what they also don't have, what they didn't have going on with, for them that we do is the war in Ukraine has also played a big part in this spiking food and energy costs, right? So that, that plays a big factor. But what I think Mr. Blinder, is it Blinder or Binder? Uh, what he's trying to reference is we're ultimately in a good shape because uh, where unemployment's at right now. That's what he's citing. I would also point out that back then, there wasn't a, an inflation target rate. They developed the 2% inflation target rate, the 2 to 3% that we have now yeah, in exactly. 2012. Got you. So it wasn't until 2012 until we had this target. So they were just trying to reduce inflation mm-hmm. back then to what they thought was a healthy number. But there wasn't a, a kind of declared target of two to three percent right so now more than then the fed is trying to hit a target metric whereas then they were just trying to reduce it to a healthy standard right exactly so there you go kids i, I thought i thought that was a really good article though i'm glad i shared but, it not but the you. but the the difference the a big difference here though is um jerome powell's come out and said volker's his guy and volker caused two recessions double dip Double yeah. dipped. He's like, we really need to get this thing under control because that inflation, but inflation for Volcker back in the 80s, right? 
mm-hmm. early eighties uh, was in double digits. So he had a different beast to handle. So yeah, specifically in reference to the article. So really, Volcker was attacking a different political polar climate. Knew he was doing this, but he had a White House support. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Jerome Powell and the current very polarized political climate does not exactly support what he's doing. As a matter of fact, they work counter to it in essentially everything he does. Yeah. So not not likely to be supported. If if Powell came out and said, you know what, guys, fuck it, YOLO, we're gonna keep raising rates. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I would love to hear. I want to double Powell. dip this recession. I want to dip it hard the first time. I yeah. want to dip dip again the second yeah. time. And he's gonna take off Let's his shirt. Go. He's got Volker tattooed on his back. Yeah, it's gonna say Volker life on him. You know, right over the belly button. <laughs> Let's go. He's gonna come out hard and say, "Let's go. We are gonna yeah. get this." Only Volker can judge me. I'm pretty sure the White House, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican in the White House, they're gonna be like, "You know what? No, kill him." <laughs> That's it. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Someone kill him. Just uh, put him in prison with that guy from FTX. It looks like a pedo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that was a good segue. Yeah, thank you. Good segue. Uh, you know, I'm out here. Yeah, I'm, we do this. 118. That's why. That's how 118 kids. <laughs> According to CNBC, the new NF. FTX CEO is getting paid $1,300 an hour and customers will foot the bill. That sounds like a sexy title. Yeah. But I have a spin. Really? On it. Oh, yeah. You know, $1,300 an hour comes out to $2.6 million a year. It does come out to $2.6 million. I am glad on this financial <laughs> literacy show, you can do math. Yeah, I can also read. It was the yeah. first headline in the article. So <laughs> uh, not exactly a... A sensationally good mathematics right, on your right, part, right. but you know what? I'll take it. This guy getting paid though. Yeah, okay. Well, let's get into John Ray's background. John Ray's pimping hard. Yeah. Okay. I think his actual title on LinkedIn is pimping hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pimp so John hard. Ray pimping hard. <laughs> All right. FTX CEO John Ray, great name. Go to three person team has worked with him on at least three bankruptcies through the last three decades. That's just you think some of these ring a bell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Including restructuring, I don't know, a little company called Enron. You ever heard of them? In the early 2000s. Nortel in 2009. And Overseas Shipbuilding Group in 2014. What a job this guy has, right? Like, okay, this shit's fucked up. It's going to take me a long time to fix this. Yeah. So keep paying me. Don't worry, I'll get it I'll get it right. Spoiler alert, here's where Said's math comes from. Yeah. Individually, the new FTX CEO will collect $1,300 an hour plus expenses for his work on the FTX case, working out to $2.6 million annualized. Damn. Pre-tax. Mm-hmm. Pre-tax. John mm-hmm. Ray got to have that post-tax seven figures. Right. So. In one bankruptcy case Ray worked on, he billed around 156 hours in a two-month period. Netting him? $120,582. So his billings for FTX may run higher or lower. High, higher or lower. No shit. So here's my thought, okay? $2.6 million annually for arguably the best fucking guy in the business to get in here, unpack what's going on, and manage a bankruptcy. How long would do you anticipate something like this taking? This is a very unique circumstance. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's going to be real tough to judge. I mean, it's going to be well over a year for him to do this. Mm-hmm. I, the question is, is given its complexity and the arduous nature of what's going on here and the number of people and creditors involved in it, how many years at this point? Yeah. Enron, I'm sure, so took is, him years to unwind, too. Is he, is he actively also helping out trying to get people their money back? Yeah, well, so part of what he'll be doing is... Number one, you go into the bankruptcy set of circumstances. Your your idea is understand what assets you have, what assets you can sell, mm-hmm. that you you know what assets you can get back. Mm-hmm. He's really a fiduciary for the bankruptcy trustee and the unwinding of the company. Right. Assuming this Chapter Eleven will be a full liquidation, which I believe that it will. I think it's Chapter Eleven anyway. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that one, but I think that it is. But his job is really to act like a fiduciary and to maximize the best position because there's also a business that they're still trying to run there a little bit. Right. You can't just call it a wrap and be done with it. So his his job is really winding this down. Mm-hmm. And as, as easy as people think that is, it's very difficult. You're trying to create a soft landing? <sighs> oh, yeah. It's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry to say, everybody. Yeah. A soft landing is a fallacy. Yeah. It's just not there. Right. I've got a six-pack underneath <laughs> this fat belly. Yeah, there's a soft landing. <laughs> yeah. Touch my abs. It's yeah. soft. <laughs> There's a soft coating. No, that's called fat. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Did you see it? Today it came out that uh, Binance stopped withdrawals on a stablecoin USDC. Yeah, they're under a lot of scrutiny right now. And CZ, their CEO, is getting a lot of shit in the media. Yeah. Because he can't and won't confirm the stability of Binance. 
That's crazy. And they're supposed to be the number one crypto exchange platform. Yeah. Plus, there's uh, some rumored exposure, I think a multi-billion dollar exposure to FTX that he wasn't openly talking about before. Oh, my god. So th- there's there's some things there that that are adding up. I saw this funny article. I, w- I do want to finish on the John Ray thing, though. Yeah. So John Ray, $2.6 million a year. It sounds like a lot of money for a guy to doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. If he can save... Some of those billions that would be that are missing, that's money well spent in my mind. Yeah, obviously. If you could save a billion, right? So the whole idea of this new FTX CEO is getting paid all this money and customers will foot the bill as being, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You should be thanking this guy for taking the gig. Customers, Dude, someone, not, needs, someone needs to do a documentary on this guy. This guy needs his own documentary. Yeah, he can't be a happy dude. You can't be doing all these kind of jobs and be happy. You got to yeah. be a run. He doesn't angry. strike me as the kind of guy that like wants to play with his grandkids. No, he doesn't look like one either. He looks like a really pissed off, like <laughs> like John Candy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, that was a good call. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, so there was an article I saw, and I didn't put it in the show notes because I just thought it was so asinine, but it was hilarious. This was an article. Okay. Okay. It was an article where somebody had wrote a story saying that they their their supposition was that CZ and Binance had intentionally taken down FTX intentionally no shit he yeah. was the one who started the tweet show that set this whole thing ablaze right he's like he, thank he, you captain obviously yeah. nobody on twitter yeah he i know he got he got the loi the non-binding loi right to help save them and then the next day he's like you'll never get this no but before that the reason why this whole thing started is because he said he was going to dump all of his ftt tokens he was going to dump all his ftt yeah. tokens right then they had a uh, run on their liquidity because everybody's like oh shit CZ's out. Give him my money. Well, there was that leaked balance sheet too. Well, yeah, but then yeah. he he came. But I think he saw that as blood in the water. Right. He tweets, "I'm selling off all my FTT tokens." I saw this balance sheet. Whack, bro. Yeah. Then then they started having all these financial difficulties. He swoops in the next day saying, "Don't worry, but I'll buy you though." Yeah. Right. I'm gonna sell my FTT tokens and ruin you, but don't worry, I'm gonna buy you. And then he goes, "Nah, never ne- mind. Never mind." <laughs> it was a non-binding LOI. What part of non-binding was confused to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't feel like binding. I'm non-binding. That's that was so crazy. And how then that he did. Out. And then I got to tell you, CZ's got a weird like V-shaped hairline going too. Like I try not to look at it, but he's got like this like, I don't know what they call it. Like, crow's feet or whatever they're called. Widow's feet. That's what they call it. Crow's feet. I don't know what the hell it is. Dude, it's weird. He looks like an Asian Dracula. Like, he's turning into Megamind from that cartoon where like Will Smith played the character. <laughs> little like V-shaped yeah. thing in the forehead. Hey, be real though. How long is uh, SBF going to be in prison for? Mm, not that long. Come on, man. No, he'll be dead in 24 hours after he gets there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Bro, whoever, whoever did Jeffrey saw- Epstein is getting that call right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yo, hey, man, you did a great work with Epstein. We're big fans. We need you to kill, kill somebody. SBF. Somebody posted that meme. I saw it. It was like, you know, Epstein calling uh, SBF. Don't worry, man. Cameras will save you. Yeah. Hillary Clinton's coming for you, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, she might be the killer. Uh, we're not doing this. Come on now. What? Come on. I'm just saying, bro. Like, Dude, it's, these it's, are jokes. It's not jokes. These are jokes. Of course they're jokes. <laughs> Why would I say something serious about Sam Blankfield, Blankfield dying, fine, that Pride, dying, yeah, yeah whatever yeah, his name is. He's, he's going to die. We all yeah, know it. Come on, man. He's dead, bro. He's dead. You can donate all you want. Let's be honest. Okay, but look. he didn't donate enough. He only donated 30-some million. Yeah, to bro, Democrats. Yeah, they got no, everybody knows they ain't got no control. You bought your parents a $50 million house? Yeah. Yeah. You got you got to give the government more than you give your parents. Let's just play a little game of, of, of statistics, shall we? Yeah. You had billions of dollars go missing. Billions. Billions. Which... It's a lot of fucking money. That's a lot. A lot. Okay? I don't think people realize. they These these, these sound like we're, it's a lot. You're going to tell me you didn't have a couple million from a drug dealer in those billions? <laughs> what are the odds of that not? Come on. Right. There is some nefarious, dirty ass money in FTX somewhere that was, that's was that gone missing. Some some really rich, sick bastard in some country that's not the U.S. Documented, confirmed that they were having like wild orgies too, weren't they? They were polygamous. Don't yeah. be judgy, okay? Yeah, I'm, who's judging? First of all, these orgies were probably Harry Potter themed. It's very oh, weird. They're oh, very hold nerdy on, hold people. On, hold on, on. Who's judging? I, I mean, I didn't say anything. You were judging unless you want to go to a Harry Potter themed orgy, <laughs> hey, which, case, which case, I don't. you be my Hermione? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Harry. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Actually, you probably have to be Harry. Yeah, <laughs> you Harry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just lost like five listeners. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we just finally got to like twenty, and we're losing five. I know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Sam Sam uh, Blank from Friday is dead. Uh, mm-hmm. No, no question about it. So if so you could be serious for five minutes, sorry, I, have, sorry. I have more serious to- topics to talk about. If you take your dirty mind out of polygamy for a minute. Mm. According to Reuters, U.S. existing home sales to slide to an 11-year low in 2023, according to the National Association of Realtors. Big emphasis mm. 
on the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. They've gotten to the point where they can no longer deny the impacts of what's happening. So they have to find a way to spin this bitch Mm -hmm. in a positive light. So listen, listen to the title again. U.S. existing home sales to slide... Not fall, not crash. Slide. It sounds funny. Slide. <laughs> slide. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're going to slide to the left. They're going to slide to the right. It's the two C slide. No. <laughs> to an 11 year low in 2023. So let me read a direct quote Sales of the previously owned U.S. homes will fall for a second year in 2023 to their lowest annual total since 2012. When the housing market was still in a slow recovery from the subprime mortgage crisis, mm. but sale prices should hold up, the National Association of Realtors said on Tuesday. Hold up? No, in what world? Is, does somebody have a... Lawrence fucking Yoon. That's who I blame. Tell you, Their chief economist is him. This, uh, this ma- sounds like Lawrence Yoon. How many people are only plugged into the National Association of Realtors and like, all right, we're good? You know how many realtors read this shit and they're like, this is the sad part. They hook them with this negativity. Yeah. But they're like, it's coming from my association. I got to read it. And they're like, oh my God. We're good. It's going to slide. slide. Slide doesn't sound so bad. So 2012, but oh, that was post-subprime crisis. Oh my God. Right. Oh, wait, comma. But sales prices should hold up. Great. And they're going right. to tell every single person, hey, guys, don't worry. I got don't. the research. Lawrence Yoon, yeah. National Association of Realtors. They hooked us up. Said home prices are going to hold up. First of all, hold mm. up means jack shit. Okay, right. that, is, that doesn't mean they're, they're not going to go down. Mm-hmm. They're going to hold up okay, man. Yep. That's what people tell people who got divorced. You can hold up, Timmy. Hey. I know you're going through a divorce, but you're going to hold up. You go, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. You're going to yeah. slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> Meanwhile... We'll have 270,000 home buyers who bought in 2022 or what? Underwater on their mortgage. This from Yahoo Money. Mm, that kind of goes against what they were saying. God, that, you know, yeah, it's a sad irony is these came out on the same fucking day. Same day. They clearly don't talk to each other. They don't talk to each other. It's very off-putting. Did you read the data on this? I did. I got some data on it, too. Okay, this is from Black Knight. So we, those of you listening to the show, you know we like Black Knight, and I'm starting to like Redfin a lot, too. Yeah. National Association of Realtors. Not so much. No, no, no. They are dirty, dirty birdies. <laughs> dirty birdies. So about 270,000 home buyers who bought during the red hot housing market this year already owe more than their house is worth a new analysis found, mm-hmm. which runs completely afoul of someone like, I don't know, Dave Ramsey telling you now's the time to buy. Buy now. Home prices are not going to go down. They're going to go up every year for the next five years. It's funny how he says that. Yeah, it's funny how he's wrong. And then if you actually look at the links to follow. Oh, yes. He uh, he happens to have affiliate links. You can click on them and you can find a trusted realtor from his network mm. who happens to pay him a commission for the referral right. that you have been talked into buying because you trust this man. Yeah. As of today, if you were to go on a you know, business podcast, the charts, yes. he's actually below 118. He is below yeah, 118. Call the day. Call the we day. are on top of Dave Ramsey. Yeah. We, yeah. See, what are you doing? You know, oh, little, on top of Dave little, Ramsey? Little, little rule I live by, never trust a man with Ram in his last name. Okay? <laughs> that, that's just me. You know, I... <laughs> oh, my God. Let that marinate for a little bit, huh, Ramsey? That was good. That was good. Among the 450,000 underwater borrowers in the third quarter, nearly 60% had mortgages originated in the first nine months of this year, 2022, Black Knight found. Mm -hmm. That's about one in 12 homes purchased in 2022 with a mortgage or 8%. Nearly 40% of the homes bought this year have less than 10% equity left on tap. Yeah. Okay, let me go out there. That's a scary That's a scary fucking stat. It is a scary stat. And you know what? This is an opportunity for us to say, this is why he gets the goddamn no love, no bell. People, you've been talking, we've been talking about this shit for how long now? We've been talking about it. You and I both have been talking about it from, I mean, how long ago? Honestly. Bro, since since, since January. Since January, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, everyone's saying, oh, home prices are going to go down. We're not, it's not going to mortgage crisis. Everything's fine. What's going to happen when homes go underwater? You know what's scary? Who, who I'm really scared of, and the article actually touches on this? Mm. Those with FHA loans faced the largest equity challenges Black Knight found, with more than 25% of folks with FHA loans falling underwater. Mm-hmm. That's scary. You know, those are a lot of first-time home buyers. First-time home buyers, three and a half, three percent down, whatever it is. So you know they're underwater. I mean, with yeah. only 3% down, and we got another, uh, we've talked about it on the show, another 10, 15% to go, depending on what region, where you're, where you're living at. Yeah. So and people say, okay, well, they're underwater, but they still have a mortgage payment they can pay. Dude, I'm telling you guys all, 
the layoffs we have you felt them in the finance sector you felt them in the tech sector in the tech sector these are first movers there are still more to come i don't know how many times i can shout this from the hilltops if bezos yeah. says this and yeah. i remember bezos not bezos we're yeah. being classy yeah. with his yeah. name classy. if he can say that yeah. to you a week or two before black friday don't buy from me stop and you guys still go out and spend 9.12 billion yeah dollars billion on black friday for a billion. record with the b and i got that's something it's really, painful really, for me to really, say really crazy about that but before before we jump on to that so also in the third quarter gross flipping profits so people who flip homes was down eighteen point four percent from the previous quarter. Yeah, I quarter. saw that, and this I've told, I've warned a lot of people to get out of the flipping business back in January, right? Because the flipping business is based predominantly on the ability to to keep your profits somewhat locked in, and if home prices are going the other way against you, mm -hmm. and cost of labor and cost of mm -hmm. uh, product are going up, right? You know, building materials are going up. You're working with two negatives at the same time. You got to move extremely quick, and that's just not how this goes. No, right? So, I mean, the only thing that's still helping these people out is you know, the shortage of supplies uh, on the market, right? Some people are still looking to buy and they feel like if they get in now, they'll still be able to, you know, get a decent rate because they're still thinking where rates are going to go. But where forecast is now, we know we got another 25 basis points to come and another one after that and they're probably going to hold. Then for all of 2023. For all. Yeah, exactly. And, and so to, to reiterate what we started the show off with. So Jerome Powell has come out and said that they're going to hold rates for a prolonged period of time. And the, the worst is yet to come. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. If the worst is yet to come, and we know we're talking a terminal rate north of 5%, mm -hmm. and we know that February and March at 25 basis point increases each would still only get you to a 4.88% terminal rate. Right. You got at least two more of those to go. At least. You're talking 7, 8, 9, mm -hmm. maybe 10, 11 Fed interest rate increases to get to where we're going to go. And then we're going to hold. Yeah. For the rest of the year. Right. right. So if he's telling you the worst is yet to come, all I'm saying is say he deserves a Nobel. That's what I'm <laughs> no, no, no. Give the, but, man, give the man the bucket. So they, what, what they've talked about, right, is what they're really focusing on that unemployment number, right? Which and, is the laggiest of lagging indicators, and they know. This is how laggy it is. Oh, so, look at you. So the Fed, the Fed also came out and they gave a pre uh, prediction on where unemployment is going to be at the end of next year. I didn't see that. With all this, with all this that's going on, with the additional rate hikes still to come. Still sub 5%? Still sub 5%. Yeah. 4.6%. I believe that. And I believe that's that. their prediction. So, so, I mean, and they need that number to go up higher in order to fight this thing. Yeah. And, and so keep in mind, most recessionary economies will end. They'll be declared an end of the recessionary economy by the National Bureau of Economic Research in retrospect, mm -hmm. with that number continuing to rise after the recession ends. Right. So it would not surprise anybody if that number peaked well after whatever this recessionary economy looks like ends. Right. Exactly. And with this new Fed funds rate, I mean, it's really going to affect small businesses as well. Well, it already is, man. Uh, and that's the shocking thing right now with the, the business space is I think so many small businesses that I expected to be impacted quicker mm -hmm. have been able to kind of persevere and push through a little bit more. But if you're a small business owner, and let's say your business is now having less sales, less mm -hmm. income coming in, your home value might be underwater. Maybe mm -hmm. you got an FHA loan to get your home. Maybe you got a SBA loan to get your business up and running. Maybe you got a, an idle loan, an economic uh, impact disaster loan. Mm -hmm. Maybe you got PPP loans that weren't 100% forgiven. Think about the mounting debt and the mounting levels of pressure coming at you from all different angles. Well, SBA loans right now, are, they're saying starting at 10.5%. Yeah. Because they're based off the prime rate. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Which is, which will now be seven, which is now 7.5%. And I know that Logan, who is the housing wire uh, economist who's making the rounds recently on the CNBC circuit and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, Remember him. Nice guy. Great guy. He, he's thinking that you might even see 30-year uh, mortgage rates drop below below 6% into the fives mm -hmm. uh, in the not-too-distant future. And I, I kind of took my eye off the, the mortgage rates for a little bit because I've been kind of busy with everything else. But you know, that might be true. But what I'll tell you is, again, this is false optimism. Yeah. This is not the moment to be celebrating. Mm-hmm. Expect these numbers to continue to get worse. Expect there to be continued pain. If it costs banks, you know, four, four and a half percent to get your deposits in the door because that's what they have to pay you to bring your money in because it's how competitive the marketplace is. Right. They got to make loans over that and expect a two percent gap between the cost of funds and what they charge you. 
Right. Just going off those numbers alone, you can tell those numbers aren't long for this world. Mm -hmm. And banks and the central banking system, they're driving the rates for everybody else. There's not going to be a cost of funds cheaper than that for every lender out there. Right. So just understand these lenders typically have lines of credit through banks. So there's bank behind money behind them. The only exception I'll say is insurance money, you know, large insurance funds. But for the most part, we're living in a false world of joy and happiness. And it's not, it's not long for this world. Expect to see those yeah. numbers change. This is a, this is a really good example of what we were talking about not too long ago, where with these rate hikes going up, it, this is how it affects the other markets and the other industries. Businesses will, are no longer looking to expand or looking to grow, right? With, it's, it's getting t- way too expensive for them to grow. The only reason why a business would even borrow money right now would be to meet ca- uh, immediate capital needs. I mean, in theory, I mean, you, hopefully you don't have to, but yeah, I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. And money right now is expensive, man. Yeah. Super expensive. Yeah. What I will say is you had some quotes in here from Ray Dalio. I didn't understand. I want to get in that at the end. <laughs> I got I got a, a bone. I got a bone to pick against Ray. Yeah, I why, like Ray. Why are you so angry? I don't so, understand. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you why. Okay. So when I, this is news to our, our, our longtime five listeners, but for everyone just listening, I just got an Instagram account for the first time. And I jumped on Instagram. One of the no, first people, one of, one of the first people I followed was Ray. Was it really? One of the first. Right. So I'll tell you this much about him that, that bothers me. He bothers you. Huh? He's self-made too, man. No, he's self-made. He's a great guy. I think he's brilliant. I think a lot of things that he's done have been exceptional. For people I, that don't know, maybe we'll get a little backstory. Principles. It, well, Ed, no, Edgewater. Bri- yeah, Bridgewater. Yeah. Bridgewater created the largest hedge fund in the world. Self-made. I think, For although Forbes is never like right on these things, they have an estimated net worth of like $19 billion, all self-made. And, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to him, you know? He's a very weird dude, though. If you, he, he definitely nerds out on finance in a way that, that's clearly unique, and he clearly loves it, and shout out to him. But mm-hmm. he's also got a lot of really interesting theories about how to run his firm and what he thinks makes people successful, and he wrote all about it in his book, Principles, hence his Instagram, his Instagram account always says, like, the principle of the day kind of thing. Right, and I know he doesn't manage this. I know this isn't him, but he's co-signing it. He he's, letting, it. he's letting this shit fly. He and this is absolutely it, yeah. unacceptable. He clearly has a social media team. It, it's definitely an aesthetically pleasing social media, but some of the messaging is getting really clickbaity. Hey, uh, this post, don't believe everything you hear. Come on, Ray. I mean, I that's need, good advice, I though. Need, I need, <laughs> that's good advice. I need more. I need more. Hold on. Oh, what, what's the next one? Remember that whatever is happening to you happened to others many times before and to many people. Don't be that okay, guy. Let me tell you why you're, Ray, a, no, no, you're a hypocrite, bro. Hold on. Hold no, no, on. Don't Ray, do this shit right now. I'm going to call you out. You're going to sound like a jackass. Ray, you want to do this? No, no. Ray, don't be that guy. Okay, I'm a, okay. You know what? You're telling him not to be this guy. Tell me, tell me and the audience earlier today, did you not tell me that this inspirational, motivational, clickbait shit is something that you wanted to try on the show? No, I did not. I did. Yes, you did. Hold on, hold yes, on. Yes, you did. I, I never said that I want to do clickbait inspirational shit i said we need to talk about more about setting your mind having the right mind frame mindset to pursue pursue what it is you believe in what you want to do come on man remember that whatever happened to you happened i would never that's mindset shit that's what that's, that's <laughs> this, exactly what, this is terrible this is what Hermosi does Don't on do his this. thing and, no, and he's all no, over the patrick right david yeah patrick just, david does the exact same thing <laughs> come on man Bro, this, this is, is some awful. of the quotes coming from these guys is like greatness is in front of you go get it no, yeah. That's what they say. Stuff yeah. like that. I'm going to come out tomorrow. My post tomorrow is going to be. Bro, I swear to God, you come in here throw... with a dream board, I'm going to fuck hey, you up. I swear okay, to God. You come in here with a dream hey, board or some shit like don't... that, I'm going to mess you up bad. Hey, listen, don't throw stones if you live in glass houses, okay? Don't do that. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> I'm going to have a hip hop based variant. Remember, Kanye West was once the best. <laughs> That's my motivational quote. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> There's a thin line between creativity and crazy. So if, if it's you, called Kanye. If you ever see if you ever see us doing this shit in the future, just know we're poking fun at Ray. I don't know, and I'm not poking. I'm fun doing at Ray. it. He's Plug too rich. It. <laughs> He's too rich. <laughs> I poke fun at fake ballers. Ray's, Ray's rich enough to hire a social media team and say this. Listen. I don't care what you put out there. Come on, just man. Just make it look good. I need a better principle of the day. You know, you know what it was? He probably started off with principle of the day and he had some like really like enlightening shit. And then he's like, man, fuck, every day I got to come out with something? Yeah, that's the problem. People don't understand the stress of social media. Like you got to say some shit sometimes and you're like, God damn it, I'm blank. <laughs> I got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I literally want to post, I want to post like a blank square one day and be like, thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> views yeah just like i mean it's at the point now where it, 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 you can't say anything that hasn't been said before on social media and if you think you're inspir- you're inspiring somebody you're an inspiration for anybody with a quote like this remember that whatever is happening to you happened to others many times before and to many people yeah 
first of all, his handwriting sucks. But second of all, come on, man. I need something better, Ray. Well, look, I'm just saying nobody's getting inspired by any of these quotes on Instagram. And the Mm -hmm. sad part is I say that knowing full well there are millennials out there who will repost this stuff just because it came from somebody that like, I'm going to tell you a story. You don't even know this. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm 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 going to blow your mind. Story time. Story time. Let's go. Do we have like a story time theme? I mean, people want it. Yeah, they they do want it. Yeah, you know, got to give the people. Yeah, give the people what they want. We should probably play Ice Cube and then go into the story time. <laughs> God damn, I'm glad y'all set it off. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So I was on the Twitters, oh, on the Twitters, the Twitters, and I've been playing a lot on Twitters. I'm up to like 350 some followers, so I feel you know like a big dog, big baller. I'm out here. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, out here. Got that Twitter blue. <laughs> So I'm ingratiated. I'm committed for eight dollars a month. I'm on this. I'm on this <laughs> yeah, website. You don't, got, you don't got the great check mark yet, though. No. Come on, no, man. I'm probably never gonna get that official check mark. Well, how do you get that? You got to be official. Is that like <laughs> is that like his new version of what the blue check mark used to be? I really do think that's what it is. I didn't think individuals had it, and then I saw an individual with it, and I'm like, well, shit. This guy is crazy, man. He's stopped paying rent too. You heard about this? No. In in yeah, San Francisco headquarters office. He's he's like I'm, he's not paying rent. Sue me? Is that what he said? No, that, that's literally what what they're doing to renegotiate their leases. That's brilliant. Look, we're, we're about to go bankrupt. You saw Twitter. <laughs> we said this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not mad at him. Look, it is what it is. But so on on Instagram, somebody was taking a shot across the bow at that website, Baller Busters, the, the Instagram account. Apparently, okay. Apparently, their, their their account got taken down, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody was taking a shot at like some kid who's a realtor in Whittier, California. Okay. Took a shot across the bow at it. Grant Cardone, who we tagged. Who Ballerbusters had gone after like several times. Right. There's like a bunch of like laughing like emojis. So I chime in. Wow. And I say, don't poke the bear. Tag the realtor, the Ballerbusters uh, Twitter account because their Instagram's down. Yeah. It's on Twitter, right? Because they do some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they do some good stuff. And then I, I tag Grant Cardone and everybody else. Yeah. This kid who's just a realtor in Whittier, California. Yeah. There's, he doesn't know Grant Cardone. He probably just idolizes him. Yeah. Probably believes the quotes just like this that he throws out there. Gets into like this, like starts attacking me. Takes a, a, a zoom in on my photo saying, shut your mouth. Remember on the photo, I have my mouth uh, open. On the uh, thing. Shut like, your ah, mouth. Yeah. Shut your mouth. I'm sitting there going like, bro, like you are a realtor in my area. Yeah. Like I, I know people that you he's, know. He's clearly not busy this time of year. He's a young kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's a young kid. And I'm like going... What you guys are defending this? You've bought into this guru's like cult. Yeah, that's one. That's it's a cult like following so much. Yeah, that you were jeopardizing your professionalism and your career right by blasting somebody who is in your area. Right, who is is a known professional. I'm not you know bragging. I'm just saying like you could look me up and go, okay, this guy's in my area. He's a real person. He's not a bot, and he's got a resume. He probably and frankly, I do a lot of business in the same space that you're in. You're probably going to cross my path at some point. Right? Do you really want to do this professionally? And I literally, I was, I was nothing but cordial in my response, saying like, bro, like, why are you being derogatory? I, I gave you good advice. Don't poke the bear. If you're Grant Cardone and these people were attacking you like you say they were, right? Why would you poke the bear professionally? You should just ignore all this rhetoric and move on with your life. That's the right way to handle it. That's the right way to handle it. This kid starts attacking me publicly, and I'm sitting here, and I, it blew me away as I try to respond to him, and like I do with everybody, like from a professional ethical place and be like this is you know unprofessional why would you do this don't do this right but he was so he so has like a man crush on this man. Mm-hmm. and it's like dude if you were to walk by this man on the street you might fanboy out on him but you were nothing to him yeah you are a potential source of money going into his pockets because you buy into his whole ecosystem right exactly but that's how these quotes sometimes can get traction Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter who what they said; it's just who said it. Oh, Grant Cardone said this. Repost, right? Boom, and then yeah. it just affects the algorithm. Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street, same thing. He has since that movie came out. Yeah, and Leo Leo DiCaprio played oh, played him. People idolize him. They idolize him hardcore. It's so it's so insane how these movies have you rooting for the bad guy. Not only rooting for the bad guy, you have people growing up wanting to be the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This guy serves. I time. don't give a shit what people think about me. It's about the hustle, the hustle. There is a lot to be said for the fact that Jordan Belfort is almost single-handedly responsible mm-hmm. for today's hustle culture. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I really believe that. I think a lot of these kids grew up with that movie being... And shout out to, to Leo DiCaprio for doing such a good job yeah. at humanizing that story and making right. it something... And I read the books. The books were incredibly well-written. Yeah. I remember you... And I read that book before the movie came out, too, because yeah. you, you told me about it. Yeah. It was, it was a great book. And it was yeah. a fascinating... Because for, for people on the West Coast... Our our call centers were mortgage call centers on the West Coast. On the East right. Coast, it was all the stocks and the trading situation. Exactly. But there were boiler rooms, like the movie Boiler Room, 
on the West Coast that were like lending vehicles and right. us being in the space, it was near and dear to our heart. We knew people that were there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there was so much of it when I read the book that it just kind of rang a bell with me and struck a chord. But when the movie came out, it added this, this, this celebrity-like content. It wasn't so much that it was a sensational story anymore. It was that it was an aspirational story. Yeah, exactly. And people wanted to live that life. And I think it was totally lost on people that he went to jail. Thinking. I know. Like my brother's license plate is Wolf One. Oh, based on that? Based on the Wolf of Wall Street. No kidding. Yeah. That 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 scene where he's like pounding his chest and he's like, I'm, I'm never gonna fucking leave and they're gonna have to come drag me out. Yeah. Like, like, dude, do you understand what he's saying? He's like, let the feds come in. I'm not coming out. Like, why are you idolizing this man? But they do. Yeah. And, and they single handedly. And I, that's why I look at people like Grant Cardone mm-hmm. and I go, this is not a good person. I can see this. But I don't think it matters to most people. Right. I don't think, I think all they see is wealth. Right. A really flashy wealth in his case. Mm-hmm. A bravado that they feel like backs it up. Right. And everything else to them is inconsequential because that's what they want. Right. They want wealth and they want to feel like he, like mm-hmm. he looks like he feels. There's something else to be said too, man, about, you know, Hollywood and all that studio money that goes behind this. And they never get questioned, man. They never get questioned on. Question about what? Like, for instance, like. People get a people get a bad rap. I'm, I'll never forget. I remember like uh, watching this interview once that Curtis Jackson, Fifty Cent, had with Oprah, right? And she said, "How do you sleep at night idolizing you know this lifestyle that, that you portray?" While and, he lives in the Hamptons. Oh yeah, well, yeah. While you live in Mike Tyson's old house, right? Yeah. And he's like, he kind of left it out there. Like, I could be, I could be telling the truth. I could be lying, right? Because yeah, a yeah. lot. And basically, what he came down to is like, how is it that what I'm doing is any different than what Al Pacino did in Scarface? That's true. I'm just I'm 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 portraying a character, but there's so much money in, behind studio space in Hollywood that they don't get questioned the same way because it's art. Well, yeah, and, well, but so that, that's a different form of art. That's 100 percent true, and and I think that that's a lot. That's a large part of the problem. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in the previous show. We talked about Liver King for a while. The Rock is clearly on steroids. Anybody who's in the fitness space, mm-hmm. anybody who's messed around with stuff. Like there, there are very clear indications that the rock is on steroids. It is unfucking deniable at this point. Right. And yet I even catch myself idolizing him in moments. And look, I'm not going to discredit the, the amount of hard work and discipline that goes into his workouts and his nutrition and everything else. Yeah. You're not going to look like that on steroids. Let's just make sure we're idolizing the right thing. You got to idolize the fact that he wakes up every morning and gets after and does the same thing over and over. Not that he looks that way. Right. Yeah, well, that he's prioritized it. But what I will say, too, is he was in movies. He gained financial success first, which gave him the freedom to be able to do those things. Right. When he was in the when he was wrestling in the pro wrestling world, mm-hmm. he was hustling. He had to go from city to city. He couldn't look like that even with a diet and discipline and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he certainly couldn't afford whatever drug. If, and I'm going to go out and say this, and this is probably going to get a lot of flack. If the Liver King is on 15k a month Stack, to look like uh, that, yeah, don't even get me started. Then The Rock is paying a whole hell of a lot of money, probably whole, that much. Right, right. If if The Rock woke up tomorrow looking like he did when he did at WWF, he'd kill himself. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? And that's where I look at this kind of stuff, and I say like, and this goes directly into the back to the financial stuff. So bear with The Rock. Liver King, you've got to have a certain degree of body dysmorphia to maintain that physique for as long as they have. Mm-hmm. You're right. You really have to be able to look in the mirror and nitpick. Like incre- the Liver King said that he didn't like his lower back fat, his love handles. Mm. And that that's what, I'm like looking at the guy going like, what, what, what in the shit is he talking about? Hey, nobody notices that but you. Yeah, like th- this is not this is dysmorphia now. Like, yeah, it's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy. It's an unhealthy aesthetic. Yeah. And I'm sure the Rock ha- probably has looks at himself and goes, I'm not big enough sometimes. Yeah. I'm sure that this is a. Dude, do you this, remember how big he got for no pain, no gain? It's two seventy five, six four, two seventy five. You know, and you know what's crazy about that is like you, he gets that big and he's still so agile and lean and lean. That's how you know you're on you're on you're on yeah, some of the you know, all the that gear. good good the, the gear. juicy yeah the the gear as they call it yeah you're on the gear yeah but I think people in the financial space this is why so many people are willing to cross lines that they get a little bit of taste of wealth. But they have the dis- this dysmorphia a little bit about their success. Yeah. You're successful relative to who? Right. Exactly. You know? and who you are you start- comparing yourself to? So, and I see these kids who are like, oh, it's who you hang around with. It's, it's, this, this, it's the people that you're around. You know, they'll, they'll take you up a notch. Mm-hmm. Will they? 
Right. Or will they just give you more aesthetic and the more things that you want to achieve, and then you're you're now leveraging more and more to get into those circles so you can get more money. But it doesn't always work like that. No. Just because you hang around with somebody or run a lifestyle. As a matter of fact, I've seen more people lose money right. trying to run with a, a, an elite people, a group of people that they can't run with. Right. Then I have seen people make money from that. Yeah, not staying in their financial lane, as Kevin Hart says. Yeah, and it's, look, Kevin Hart's damn right. I mean, yeah. he, interestingly enough, you should look, anybody who's listening to the show, if you've never looked into or, or Googled Kevin Hart and how he splits his money from, like, what he does, mm-hmm. it's very disciplined and fascinating. Really? I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard about this. Yeah, so he lives off of a, a very distinct budget, mm-hmm. and a lot of his his stuff that he does, and I'm sure it's changed a little bit since he's had some meteoric success. His, his spending has always been really, really disciplined and he lives off of like a smaller budget and moves so much of his movie income into straight investments. I love that. Including real estate. He's got a very interesting and diverse mindset. Yeah, he's, he's done a really good job of building a solid team around him. Yeah, and if you look at like The Rock, that's, that's what he does. He, mm-hmm. he employs a lot of people. He, his ex-wife runs like his whole thing. No you know, kidding. Danny Garcia. Yeah. Danny wow. Garcia is his ex-wife and mm-hmm. now married to his trainer. Mm-hmm. And Danny Garcia is really responsible. She's the she's the, the brilliant architect behind a lot of his career. I'm sure he he ran a lot of decisions, but she's the one who, who he, he has running it. I mean, he's, right. he's married to Lauren, his wife, and he's got a separate life now and everything else. But yeah. that's the relationship he has with his ex-wife. That's where, pretty cool. And, you know, as he rises, everybody else rises with him. Love that. And that, I think, is has been probably one of the most underrated things about successful people yeah truly successful people right will try to bring up people around them. yeah and they're very self-aware of what they're capable of doing and what they're not and what they can trust people with yeah yeah it's true although i've heard bad things about his tequila really yeah i, I have a really really good friend one of my best friends he loves it really yeah never i've never tried it yeah yeah not my thing i don't really drink a whole lot of tequila really uh, yeah, it's not my thing either yeah. i'm on i'm on this port chris introduced me to this poor wine y'all gotta try this we gotta take a picture of it again and post it it's that good it is good right yeah it's not bad it's surprisingly good it's only 10 years old but it's uh it's it's pretty good a little high alcohol you know concentration but my brother can attest to that (laughs) it'll get you it'll get you loopy it'll get you a little loopy it's gonna catch you by surprise which is not bad yeah yeah so we have some new reviews and I think I read some of these in the previous show. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not. No, we did not. You sure? I, I'm sure because it came out after. But I appreciate you all. Finally. Chris was in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> we start off with that dude fish. Let's go. All right. So uh, an honest review. Five stars, of course. Thank you for staying honest. Anybody who leaves anything less than that is not being honest. Right. You know, you know better. One of my favorite podcasts out. Found these guys from Mind Pump, a.k.a. the sexy Mind Pump Adam. Yeah. And haven't missed out on an episode since. Always get great information on how the economy is looking and future projections. Shout out to my guy, Chris. Keep the good content coming, bro. Well, shout out to you, Dude Fish. Yeah, dude. God damn you, sexy. That Dude Fish. Bro. I know. I've always loved Dude Fish. I do. I love Doofish. I need thank you, Doofish. I needed this guy to walk in with a smile. He was coming was, in, coming in hurt. I was I was heated. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you right now, I still was gonna be angry. What saved your ass <laughs> is that 118 spot today. The 118 spot. 118 spot in business in the US. That had me coming in here all happy and shit. But this review almost did it all all on its own single-handedly. And for those of you that are wondering, like, man, 118, you guys are really proud of that. Listen, when we can't when when I first started on the show, we said we we wanted to cracked the top 200 so for us it was, yeah. it, was, it was a really big deal and it's only up from here only up from here yeah testosterone injections will keep it up the whole time <laughs> keep it up the whole time really all right great and informative this from my my friend that guy miles i feel like that dude fish and that guy miles are close you wouldn't understand okay <laughs> people who get behind me oh i get behind them oh that re- guy. yeah really there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of sexual undertone there it was meant to be yeah yeah <laughs> As someone who has been a fan of the Higher Standard Podcast for quite some time now, I have to say that Chris and Saeed are truly a dynamic duo. Mm, thank you for noticing. God damn, you the Robin of my Batman. Yeah, let's go. They're good in tights. <laughs> Their conversations are always engaging, thought-provoking, and heartfelt. I think he's talking about your heartfelt, mm. not me. I love how they they cover a wide range of topics from personal development to current events, and their insights are always spot on. Haven't been wrong. Haven't been wrong. Not yet. King of predictions. You know it. Future Nobel laureate. Yeah. The one and only. <laughs> you know this. Saeed Omar, everybody. 
One thing that sets the Higher Standard podcast apart from others is the genuine care and concern that Chris and Saeed have for their listeners. And we do care. We do. I, I absolutely do care about our listeners. And, and the sad irony is, is sometimes I end the podcast, frankly, more, more times than not, saying that we didn't give you enough when we hit the end. Uh, every, time, every time we end it, I ask Chris, how'd you like that one? And he says, wasn't good enough. Because I feel like we can do more. And I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not thinking about the long game of the listener. Mm-hmm. But I always want to be more funny, but more educational and have more content and do more for the audience. Because mm-hmm. I do care about this providing a value proposition. And as we continue to get more and more success, God willingly, we'll produce more and more episodes. They truly want to help people improve their lives, as we just said. And it shows in the way they conduct themselves and the advice they offer. Thank you. And here I am worried about being too much of a smart ass. <laughs> I have personally gained so much from listening to the Higher Standard Podcast, and I have no doubt that it will continue to be a valuable resource for anyone looking to improve themselves and reach their full potential. If you're looking for a podcast that will inspire, motivate, and educate you, then I highly recommend giving the Higher Standard Podcast a listen. You won't be disappointed. Brought to you by ChatGPT. Inc. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. But hey, um, that guy, Miles. I appreciate you. Yeah, that that was an, an exceptionally thoughtful and, yeah, and heartful, I, heartfelt. I, I could tell Miles really took the time to write that review. So yeah, and you. I am not Miles for the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's not me. Yeah, but. yeah. You can actually go back and see Chris is actually the first one. He said, I'm going to support my own podcast. That I you did. <laughs> <laughs> I gave myself a five-star review. I was so proud of it. I was yeah. like, I did this. Right. And then it carried it for five stars for like a solid couple of years because nobody ever <laughs> responded to that. But... Look, before we wrap the show up, I wanted to take the time to really say thank you. And a legitimate thank you, not the usual uh, act as the arrogant character to make Saeed look good. Yeah. I don't think either one of us really expected to be where we are today. And I don't think either one of us expected to really have people be as engaged and really care as much as they do. Mm -hmm. So for what it's worth, thank you, every damn one of you for listening. Um, it's really been a pleasure and an honor to be able to do this. And the fact that we get to do it really feels kind of like a gift every time we come. It really does. We, we get excited every time. We're, we're texting throughout the day. I can't wait to do another episode tonight. So we really, really do appreciate it. Yeah. And if you're a sponsor listening, <laughs> we'd appreciate you too. If yeah. You just, yeah. You know. We're accepting applications. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by viagra yeah yeah, yeah. we have no standards oh, or like that that's enough brought to you by vagisil it's the higher standard but if we're advertising we have not yeah uh, so <laughs> i'm ignoring the vagisil reference by yeah. the way that's an snl bit <laughs> no, I, no i got it we're not we're not famous or cool enough to pull that off so yeah not yet so. okay okay cool well i think we can end the show there all right anything to look forward to coming up this weekend what do we got going on uh, this weekend, what do we got going on? My daughter has her first recital, um, Ooh. tomorrow. So I'm gonna have to leave the company Christmas party a little bit early. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, got that going on. And then, then, oh, I got an ugly Christmas sweater party to go into. Really? Yeah. You just gonna wear your chest hair? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is an ugly yeah. sweater. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shave it into the shape of a sweater. <laughs> is, why is it brown though? I don't understand. <laughs> no, man. I'm so old now. The chest hair's turned white. I don't want to know that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to know that. It's okay. My son had a had a recital today. I had to miss it because of the new gig and, and some of the stuff I had going on in the office and it really broke my fucking heart. Yeah. I thought about it all day long. My wife sent me like all the photos and the video and everything else, but mm-hmm. really, really off putting because I felt like I traded money for time and it that really bothers me. Yeah, it makes it really the, the, me. I, that's had had to happen once or twice for me too, and it lingers. So I should probably tell you something before we go. And for anybody who's lasted this long in the show, you're 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 a real fan because I, you know, this is going to be just between you and us. So yeah, given that there's some people who dropped off, they missed out. Yeah, you know how awkward it is now that people are starting to recognize the show. Yeah, like like how? So when I was at the UFC thing, uh-huh. a buddy of mine afterward got a text message in the DM saying, "Oh my God, you know Chris Nahibi from the Higher Standard? I listened to his podcast. How cool, man!" And he sent he sent me the screenshot, and I was like, "Oh shit." Like, does he know that we're not anybody important? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, does, yeah. does he know that? Yeah, we're not that big. Yeah, like, we're, I'm nobody. Yeah, yeah. I'm just an average guy. What's incredibly weird, though, is a lot of people at work come up to me like, hey, man, uh, you know, blah, blah, TPS reports, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then right before they're about to leave, they turn around and go, oh, by the way, I love this. I love the podcast. 
Oh, and I'm like, cool. I am Some people, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I, do, yeah. <laughs> I do it every time. I know, I know. Literally, that's how I open up to a few people at work have uh, messaged me or I've spoken to them over the phone. They go, listen to the podcast. I really, I really, really enjoy it. I'm like, wow, I am sorry for what you've had yeah. to hear. <laughs> you do know there is an explicit rating, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We were upfront about that. Yeah, that E stands for not for sensitive ears. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. These are all jokes. So, yeah, that, that's happened a lot. Even today, uh, a couple of people who are outside consultants. Mm. Oh, kidding. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, I am so sorry. Yeah. Do you want to sponsor the and podcast? And they're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you want, do you need more help? With yeah, the, yeah. yeah. But uh, they're like, why? And I'm like, well, you know, I... It is kind of outside the normal corporate speak, I think, a little bit. Yeah. We deviate from probably the standard vernacular yeah. that you're used to. They're trying to disrupt a little, some things. Yeah, we're trying to relate to a particular class of underserved population <laughs> for financial literacy. There you go. So we have to speak to them in a way that resonates. Yes, exactly. Like saying, fuck. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot, yeah. People appreciate it. It's a colloquialism for, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i am sorry everybody that um uh, we are we are not as cool as you might think and and certainly not famous but we are in the top 200 yeah we are in the top 120 man top 200 yeah yeah above dave ramsey yeah exactly yeah and uh don't forget the number one rule everybody which is never trust a man with ram in his last name <laughs> <laughs> bye everybody good night I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.